Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Cut Down. The track is Outcast. This is a part of the Never Ending, uh, <laughs> Never Again Cut Down Split 7 inch. Brought to you by none other than Rebirth Records. Rebirth Records, number one, Bob Wilson who you'll be hearing from later on in this episode, is putting out a split 7-inch. I'm going to go right to the the ad, or the little thing on the website. In a sea of corporate punk and metal masquerading as core, a small handful of bands are on the front lines of a movement that is bringing real, real hardcore back into style. At the forefront of this wave are two New Jersey's finest, Never Again and Cut Down. Hot off a joint appearance at FYA in Florida. The two bands have teamed up for a split 7-inch in the classic hardcore tradition. Two new songs from each band will sure to please the fans of straightforward, no-frills hardcore. Available. Midnight. Right now fucking now. You can get this through Rebirth Records. There's only 500 copies, 250 in orange, 250 in black. If you want a distro or you have any questions, just go to rebirthrecords.bigcartel.com. We'll have a link in the show and also... If you want to distro or carry the record, re- records, rebirth at Gmail. This is a continuation of the idea that the only way real shit gets done is if you fucking do it yourself. Bob Wilson is at the forefront with it, not only fronting a million different fucking bands, not only carrying the torch all the way down to F Florida and creating FYA and making it the standard bearer for all hardcore fests in America, but he's putting his money where his mouth is and he's supporting hardcore bands that he believes in and putting their records out. And it's absolutely fantastic. If someone ever says, hey, I want to start a band or there should be more bands like this, go fucking do it. And if you're upset that a band that you like doesn't have someone supporting them, then maybe you go out, you know, maybe go out and fucking raise some fucking money or, you know, work a side job and put a fucking record out. And then you'll find out how hard it is to do this shit. So my hat's off to Bob Wilson for putting this record out. And my hat's off to Never Ending Game. <laughs> I keep fucking saying it. Jesus, never again. Sorry, fellas. Never again and cut down. You know, both bands have played multiple shows in Philadelphia. And absolutely, to the letter, it's no cap. They are raw, pure, aggressive, fucking real hardcore. True to the earliest and still hard and 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 fast and aggressive in that way that can go across the entire duration of hardcore history. Anyone who's a fan of real hardcore will love this shit. Absolutely fucking fantastic shit. So thank you guys for allowing me to play this. Make sure you get your copy because this shit will absolutely sell out. Next up, it is important to say that things are going great for the hardcore scene. And this podcast that you're about to listen to is almost like the Knights of the Round Table or like, a, you know, they have like a round table discussion. You know, you see this shit. Sometimes it's viral on TikTok where you have a bunch of people who are industry people, you know, music industry, usually hip hop people, and they're talking shit and going back and forth. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to bring three of my closest friends together on this podcast. All of them have been on the show. Obviously, the Godfather, Richie. Mancuso, Crutch, Wisdom and Chains, who also has his own record label. 
Never ran, never will. Pre-orders are killing it for the missing link. This is another guy. Wants to do his own thing. He's involved in Fast Break Records, obviously, but wants to side branch it and do more. So what does he do? Puts out the missing link. He's got a split 7-inch coming out with Hold My Own, Carried by Six. I even hear there's a Fool's Game Risk split 7-inch. I mean, these are guys, once again, out there putting their fucking money where their mouth is and continuing to push hardcore in the positive direction. Next up, Greg Falchetto. This motherfucker is bi-coastal, living in New Jersey, working in Los Angeles, managing to find time to book some absolutely outstanding shows. His um, most recent ones were the Gorilla Biscuit show, but just this week he announced uh, a really incredible show um, in... I'm going to get the date right. I don't want to just half-ass it because sometimes I'd be doing that. May 20th at the Kenilworth VFW. This is in Kenilworth, New Jersey, like north central New Jersey. There's a 3 p.m. doors. Motherfucking Mind Force. Hudson Valley's finest. Here they are. Never-ending game, see? This was on my mind. That's why I was saying it. Bulldoze. Yep, they're playing. First time in Jersey in a long time. Pain of Truth, Gridiron, Shackled, Missing Link, Fool's Game, Hold My Own, Negative Force. Here's another guy out there doing shit. Not only is he working, putting out amazing shows in New Jersey, he's in Hold My Own, and he's a fucking father of two kids. It's incredible. Another guy just constantly putting his ass in a hardcore and been doing it for a long fucking time. And then, of course, Robert Taylor Wilson the fourth. That's his full government name. Uh, the purveyor, creator, CEO, chairman of the board of FYA Fest. Also, huge, huge hand in the Philly hardcore shows. And also, my go-to, my right-hand man. When I'm looking at something at this hardcore, I'm looking at a show, the first two people I call sometimes when I'm working on a show, and I'm like, I need someone to give me another look. It's Bob and Greg. I, I, I trust them. These are people who I respect their work, regardless of them being years younger than me. I respect their eye and their input because they know what the fuck is up about booking shows and hardcore in general. And I thought it'd be absolutely fucking fantastic to have all of them together to talk some shit about some shit that people talk on the internet and whatever. And this is kind of a fun way to get a, uh, people laughing, having a little bit lighthearted, a little bit serious. And, um, yeah, so I, I, this is the, going to be the, the, the preface for the, for this specific show is a little bit of fun with the fellas talking some shit, but you know, before we even really get deep into that, I, I should mention that Philly hardcore shows does in fact have a lot of fucking shows. Uh, just to remind you, we have two gorilla biscuits of our own, Greg, fuck you, pussy, both sold out at the church the end of February. Um, Bob Wilson and Stucky have so many goddamn things going on between Photo Club and different things. It's absolutely fantastic to see the shit. Um, but our girl, Alex Bradley, first up. High Mortal Code, Montclair, Snow Channel, Floaters, and Regrown. This is tomorrow. Saturday, February 11th, at the Photo Club. Make sure you're there. And then we have 
the show for reaching out. I think reaching out has a record release. February 19th should be fucking awesome in New Jersey. I don't have the flyer in front of me. I just remember that comes up. Bob Wilson, the weekend after the Gorilla Biscuits. We got the Violent Way, Castillo, Cut Down, and Repeat Offender, also at the Photo Club. And then this one's just fucking wild the next day. It's Josh's birthday. It's C4 Burning Lord Exhibition and Combust at motherfucking Bonks. That's right. Bonks will close. Port Richmond's least finest place to eat. But all the hardcore go. Hardcore kids go after shows. They hang out. They they post about it. Uh, I I'm a Burns man myself, but I'll even be down there because why the fuck not? And you can get them a lot. We have so many shows that I don't even want to go through them. But some of the bigger ones, I, I'll mention. Um, Bob has Tsunami, Spy, Fool's Game, Skyrim, and Missing Link at the church. That's Friday. That's Thursday, March 23rd. Then we have the Hardcore Pride Weekend. Have you guys seen this? Has anyone seen this yet? Absolutely fucking fantastic. And this is another hardcore combination, so to speak. You know, um, we've had Carter on the show, and we've had Lennon on the show. And from within records, I mean, Lennon, you know, he, he did so much on his own shit. We had him. I, I don't have the all the episodes in front of me, so I can't reference, but, but I've had both of them on the show. And they're another shining example of young hardcore people who put their money where their mouth is, get in bands, do multiple bands, put out records. It's fucking fantastic. So, Friday, the 24th, 6 p.m., Gridiron Magnitude, Simulacra, Adrian, Moment of Truth, Never Again, Statement of Pride, Killing Me. Then the next day, 4 p.m., Mind Force, Seed of Pain, Envision, Be All, End All, Live It Down, Chemical Fix, Carbonite, Almighty Watching, Burning Strong, Wreckage, and Pain Clinic. This is the Hardcore Pride Weekend from within and plead your case. The two record labels but by these gentlemen. There's going to be a, a fucking flea market. It's going to be fucking awesome. Make sure you support it. And then, technically I'm not supposed to say this if you're listening between midnight and like 12 p.m. But we're doing a vein show at the church with the ear of the knife. Foreign hands and gloves off. We're going to be announcing it in a couple hours. Might as well just pop it up there so people don't miss out on it. Um, lots of cool shows. Make sure you're supporting us and going to the the dot com and make sure that you're supporting not just our shows but any DIY Harker show in the Philadelphia, South Jersey area and just some of the bands that are not dying to get their name in publications but are out there grinding working hard playing the small shows giving props to the other bands not just walking out when their set's over you know support the real the you know as i say real recognize real if you're into real shit support the real shit because it's the only way that it's continue you know and i'm not saying don't support i would never say don't support something but i'd say if you if you're if you're Shit on Twitter is support real bands, support real bands, then support them. You know, buy their fucking t-shirt, buy their record when it comes out. Oh, your friend has a record? Don't ask him for one, buy the motherfucker. Support this shit so it can continue. I am now legally required by the state of Pennsylvania, the city of Philadelphia, and by Joe McHenry, Matt Carl, Bob Wilson to say, 
Go Birds. That's right. We're running this shit back five years later. We'll be out on we'll be out on Broad Street doing our fucking thing. The birds are gonna take it home. It's gonna be another wild fucking weekend in Philadelphia. Um, thank you to everybody who reached out about my mother. We are currently getting things together. I, the, the key here is to, if we need some financial support to get what we need, not beyond, you know, we don't want to take people's kindness beyond the scope of what this is. And um, she is still in the hospital, still trying to figure out when they're going to let her go home, what she's going to be able to even do, if she can even go and work from home. So it'll be interesting. But the amount of people that just reached out who listen to the podcast and about my mother's health, I, I, I just thank you. Thank you. And again, I say some shit, but behind the scenes, there's some stuff moving with the This Is Hardcore podcast. And moving forward, we are going to start taking some time to do some ads if they're appropriate and they go along with what we're trying to do here. Because if we can move, and I say we because it's not just me. You know, um, yeah, there's other podcasts, but a lot of my friends, I am able to help them get further than where their own reach could get with this podcast. So it is a we situation. But if this podcast gets supported fiscally and we can blow this thing up beyond what we've already been doing and add a level of digital stuff with the the videos and add more different kind of podcasts like this one, I think that we can make sure that when we cover a, a small band from a small label, it gets beyond, you know, 5,000 to maybe 10,000 or 20,000, you know, that we just did Roman Candle. I mean, their video alone got so much trash in. But part of fighting the good fight is making sure that we can boost our own signal and get more people checking out the cool shit that they may not see because it's not on a label that has thousands of dollars to pay to publicity. You understand? So it's another big reason why I want to expand, but it's not like turning the the, pod, the podcast is still going to be about hardcore a thousand percent because that's the fucking nature of it. But there's just things I didn't do in the first two years. And now we are technically in the, set, the, the beginning of the third year of this and over a hundred episodes. I feel more confident that we're able to do it, do it right. And I, I'm, excited, I'm excited to see the changes that we do to this, and hopefully you guys will enjoy it as well. So again, once again, the preface, this um, this roundtable discussion is just fly by the seat of our pants. I had some topics written down, and we had some fun with it, but also we brought some fucking facts to the table. Facts that are our own opinions. You don't have to agree with them. You can take some fucking heat with them, right? Tell me to go fuck myself. Tell Bob to go fuck himself. Greg to fuck himself. You say that to Richie, well, you know, something might happen to you. It might be a fucking accident. You know, you, your family could get a phone call. Hey, you know, where where's he at? Ah, well, you know, he's gone. There's nothing we could do. So I leave that Richie alone. So here we go. Nice little round table discussion. Not just me jibber jabbing for an hour. Let's fucking go. So today, to discuss multiple things instead of me just talking by myself, I brought together a group of humans that I would normally call and talk shit about all this stuff anyway. I don't know if this is like a Knights of the Round Table or whatever you want to call it, a meeting of minds, but please welcome to the show 
the godfather of Pennsylvania, the lord of FYA, and New Jersey's finest and baldest. So, Richie Crutch, Bob Wilson, uh, hello. Greg Falchetto. Yo. What's up? You guys are all multiple episodes, multiple times, multiple guests. Espistos. Espistos. I'd be just saying some <laughs> random words backwards and shit. <laughs> oh, shit. And we're all straight edge. Yo. Wow. Real straight edge. Straight edge right here, dude. Oh, here wait a minute. Edge. Wait a minute. Bob, have you ever drank before? Absolutely not. Smoke? Absolutely not. No drugs? Nothing. Greg, ever drink before? Guilty. Okay, you're not straight edge. Joe, ever drink before? <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm not straight edge okay, either. Okay, so you got two straight edge and two visitors. <laughs> Fair enough. Straight edge is birth till death. <laughs> it's not It's not if you're not straight edge now, you never were. It's if you weren't straight edge then, you never were. Birth till Fair death, enough. baby. Fair enough. So, you know, from time to time, these things pop up and – uh they're kind of like a cultural zetgeist in the way that everyone talks about them all at once. So I figured we'd start off by uh, discussing the fact that Turnstile got snubbed at the Grammys. Snubbed? Come on. <laughs> they didn't win. They didn't get snubbed. They, they were got snubbed. Ozzy. Ozzy, the king of, of all heavy music. Wow. Stop. You got beat by Ozzy? Like, what's Bob, tell that? him. Stop this. I mean, this when people were, people were salty about it, I was like, I mean, one is Ozzy Osbourne. What do you think the seventy-two-year-old people fucking voting on this shit know about Ozzy or Turnstile? Like, what? What did you think was going to happen here? Like, come on now. But come on, you say? Are you saying Ozzy doesn't deserve a Grammy? Like, is that what? This- <laughs> Sharon Sharon Osbourne has killed a lot of people to get him where fifty he's at years right of platinum records, fifty years of of, of influence and recognition. He and never non- bit that bat, Richie. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I'm just saying, like, come on, Ozzy. Like, how many bands were up for whatever uh, award it was? Not that many. Okay, so you can't say they were snubbed. They were in a mix with probably four bands. Like, they were snubbed. No way. (laughs) And if they were snubbed, they deserve it for the outfits that they wore. Greg, you're the professional. I don't see Ozzy going viral on TikTok, is all I'm going to say. Turnstile's got that virality on TikTok. So I would have given it to Turnstile. They All got right, how, best how rock performance. Records? They were nominated. They were nominated for best rock performance, best rock song, and best metal performance. Mm-hmm. And Ozzy won all of those categories, or just one beat him in one of those categories. CBS News says Baltimore hardcore band Turnstile edged out for Grammys. Do we know who won those categories? <laughs> I know. Once Ozzy won the medal one, I was out. Like, how could anyone be mad that Ozzy wins any category that's described as metal? Like, Me. That's, of course. <laughs> like, this is Ozzy Osbourne you're talking about. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's more raggedy than a fucking 30-year-old ham sandwich. Fuck him. Ozzy was in the first punk band. He was in the first hardcore band. Stop. He was in the first metal band. He, he, was, he hasn't sang he's, live yeah. in 25 years. That's not Ozzy true. was not in the first punk band. That's not yes, true. he was. The song Paranoid is a punk song, 100%. He created that. It's a <laughs> punk song. That's that's a Ramon this song. This motherfucker's going off. Is Paranoid not a Ramon song? It, it's a it's a bad Ramon song, but Geezer didn't fuck with the Ramones. They, no, they don't fuck with the Ramones. The Ramones fuck with them. That's what I'm saying. Like, they set it off. They're the influence from everything. Without, without Black Sabbath giving birth to what they gave birth to, there is no turnstile to begin with. There's, there's none. I, I, All, right. I... <laughs> All right. Let me hit you with this one then. Go ahead. What? This is even funnier. 
GQ.com. Turnstile. What does a hardcore band wear to the Grammys? Incredible. I want to hear your guys' opinions on their outfits at the Grammys. I really want I want to hear it. Greg, what what's up with their did you see their outfits first of all? I seen it, yeah. Okay, what'd you think? I thought they're I they looking good. Okay. All right. Hey, Wilson, did you see their outfits? I saw I I saw people salty about it being like, what the fuck are these guys wearing? It's like, yeah, man, it's the Grammys. I don't I don't want them to go out there just wearing a fucking chromag shirt and camo shorts or something like that. You don't want go. My, no, I don't give a shit. Who cares? It's, I, I think they're I like that it's an absurd thing to be a part of. So them just going all out with it, I'm all I'm all for. Joe, what do you what do you think? Well, I'm gonna give you some facts. Okay. The group checked <laughs> off the group checked off some of Menwear's most beloved labels. Our legacy, Rick Owens, Marnie, Ooh. and I'm gonna fuck this word up so bad. I'm gonna Philly mouth this word. <laughs> Bottega Venena. Take your teeth out and say it. You'll probably get it right. <laughs> Bottega Venita while giving nods to two Los Angeles up-and-comers in Good Fight and Brain Dead. Okay. See, and they're still for the, the small labels, too. They're so, so what I said, what I said privately and candidly, which kicked off the whole idea to have everybody come on, was like every raggedy motherfucker who's on Twitter be like, yo, look at this fucking picture. Like, yo, fuck you, son. Like, what have you done? <laughs> Get, like, you're at the Grammys. Yeah, you're not gonna be out there uh, rocking like like Bob said the Chromag shirt. Like these cats, probably each one of them got paid ten. Uh, what do you think? Ten G's or more to to wear that shit. Like everybody who goes out there is a product uh, billboard, and you're gonna you're fault. Right. You're gonna fault them for dressing. Also, yo, that shit is crazy. Like I would never wear it in person. I don't dress like that. But if I was at a Grammy, man, <laughs> fuck, I would look. Fu- I would look. That. <laughs> What's that? Nipple shirt on. There's no way you would wear that, that half belly right, nipple. All right, stop right here. Football. You take right off here. your shoulder pads 20, with that shirt. 20, 20 G's I'm in. All right, check this out. This is how 20 I 20 G's, it. but no, no W9. I didn't see anyone dissing turnstile. I only saw people blindly defending them. Okay. And that's fine. The same people that are attacking Madonna for looking like a, a, a chia pet with her face are are, atta- are are defending turnstile. Now turnstile. All right, this GQ says, what does a hardcore band wear to the Grammys? They wore what a pop band would wear. That's my issue. They just look like everybody else at the Grammys. I would hope that representation would show them as as they really, as we at least perceive them to believe. Is Turnstile a dope band? Yeah. Do they know how to write songs? Fuck yeah. Really, really good. Do I hope they make millions? Yeah. But you can't make fun of them for dressing goofy for some reason. Why not? Like, why are they like, why are they like untouchable? You can't say like, oh, look at they looked really goofy. I mean, fr- freaky Franz looked like fancy Franz. Yeah, he didn't. You know what I mean? He's got a purse and everything. Like, to what be is honest, this? that bros always look fancy. Yeah, but he never looked goofy like that. To be honest, he always had a cool style. To me, they look goofy. And why are we not allowed to say that, whether we like them or not? Like. I know if I rock that, people would be like, yeah, Richie looks mad goofy. And I would expect if I showed up anywhere looking like that, that people would assume that. So maybe, you know, I'm sure they're, they're not going to be care what, you know, what I say one way or the other. I just wonder why they're above being 
ridiculed for dressing so goofy at the Grammys. That's all. You can't write anything on Twitter about anybody important. You, well, you could attack certain people, but, you know, I, did, I didn't you see any an anime face on, on, on your Twitter. Style. I only saw Blind Defense. And let's be honest, they looked really goofy. I mean, they look like a pop band. And that's, you know, I guess that's what you got to be at the Grammys. But I was hoping you didn't have to be that at the Grammys. I, I hope if you guys could understand what I'm saying, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm a bully, but. All right. But is that, is that something you would post? Like, would you, would you see what they were wearing and have an opinion, good or bad, and think, let me write this on the internet? Like, I need to tweet this to let people know, like, my opinion on this? No, I wouldn't do that. I would only really post about food. But <laughs> if, if somebody asked me, did you see those guys and how they dress? I would be like, yeah, they look, they look really goofy, you know? Like, I don't see how you could be like, they didn't look goofy. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. I get right. it. That's that's like our flagship band, and we love them, and we, we want to see them do great. But if they do something goofy, we can't say nothing. I get that you can roast a band, but when people take it in like a weird, like, oh, this is what hardcore is now, it's fucking over. It's like, yo, chill out, dude. It's like, it's not, it's not that deep, dude. You know what I mean? No, like, not I at know. all. It's it's, yeah. a, it's it's a dope band wearing goofy outfit. That's that's how yeah. I saw it. Yo, like, you remember when Cro-Mags did that one band photo? Like, oh like, man, you know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> You could love the Cro-Mags and still be like, yo, that band photo was ridiculous. Like, the dude had, like, a scarf on with no shirt. Yeah. And, then, like, you know, he's showing his, his hip bones and, like, trying to be, like, all <laughs> sideways. It was goofy. And so was the turnstile outfits. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not a bad guy for just noticing the obvious. All right, I Richie. mean, one of us says Greg has been on a red carpet, so he, he might have better insight, honestly. Well, Greg, Greg would show up in a three-piece, baby. I know how Greg, he would shine that head of his. <laughs> you know, I saw pictures of Vitalo out there. Now he looks sharp. Sharp, yeah, that's, man, good. that motherfucker. Vitalo that brother looks look sharp. That's what I'm saying. If I was Turnstile, had that opportunity, I'd be coming out there looking like John Gotti, baby. I'd be like in a shark skin suit, everything. Like, <laughs> I'd, I'd let those people pay me for the outfit, not Supreme, not the you know. But I'm just saying, maybe they like that that look. Maybe they don't. I just thought it looked goofy. That's all. Yo, but you know who would look real crazy goofy if he was up there? Who? Your boy Jurtis. Oh, Jurtis would probably come out in like a like a, a Russian hat, you know, <laughs> probably like Daisy Dukes or something, <laughs> cowboy boots. Who knows? But yeah, he's probably I mean, wearing that right now. Yeah, he probably wears that just to go to the Wawa. But <laughs> you know. no, it, and no, no, those dudes may legit be style dudes. They may be into that clothes. I'm just saying. It looked goofy, and for some reason, if somebody said it looked goofy, you know, you're just not allowed to do that. You know, it's got to be like, oh, man, it's 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 this. Come on, let's be honest. That's not going <laughs> to hold up in ten years from now when kids look back and be like, oh shit, Turnstile was looking like that that night. Okay, you know, Turnstile live. I mean, they're sick, bro. Like they're they're one of the. I got to be honest, they're one of the best bands to ever do this, and they're. And other bands that had that opportunity that they had couldn't capitalize because other bands did have this opportunity. It's major label, not that Roadrunner is major, but it's about as close as you're going to get. And they, all those other bands before them, Biohazard, War on Warner Brothers, like they could never capitalize. Turnstile experimented in the right way where they capitalized and it worked. The same people that liked them for their original sound were like, yo, this is dope, too. And then the people jumping on board later on to hear them for the first time were loving it. And that never really happened for them. So no way is this a diss on the band. It's just the look. The look was was 
a bit off if you ask me. You know what I mean? Nah, I again, you know, we we all know Vitalo. He he won the award, but I find it really was bizarre that anytime something's put on the internet, that the immediate thing exactly what Bob and you guys said, like, is this what hardcore is coming to? It's like, well, who fucking put it in that direction, motherfucker? Like all you goofy motherfuckers that support all this goofball shit. So now you're mad about it. Now, you know, like you can't cap it all up. And this is, this gets into the next thing. It's like the same folks that are like, we can't, we got to stop gatekeeping. We got to stop gatekeeping. I don't agree with that. I don't. Well, and that's my point. Like, yo, you guys let in a lot of wild shit in this motherfucker. And now all of a sudden you're mad that these dudes are on the Grammys and getting paid money to wear some clothes. Like when the fuck does the gate close? Yeah, and check it out. Uh, without gatekeeping, forty-three point six percent of the scene would be white power neo Nazis. Facts. Okay, so keep that in mind when you want to stop gatekeeping, because without it, that's what. If you just, if we just be like, hey man, we'll turn the other way. This group is here. Oh, that group is here. That's how it was at one time. You had to go to a show and sit with a bunch of these Nazi weirdos until something broke out, and then at some point, enough people were like okay, we're going to gatekeep. These guys aren't allowed at these sort of shows anymore. Because here in America, Joe will tell you, Nazis liked hardcore. Loved it. Like, I, it wasn't really like that anywhere else, but especially on the East Coast, they wanted to see. They wanted, why did they wanted to see Madball? I have no idea, but they wanted to go to Madball shows. They definitely wanted to go see Blood for Blood. They were at Agnostic Front shows, Murphy Law shows. They, they loved that shit. And unfortunately, you know, people had to gatekeep in order to, keep this one group out so i'm not against uh, and we say we say it's desirable you know we say long ago but to be honest like in allentown pennsylvania in the early 2000s that shit was still there because i remember going to shows seeing those bands and every time it would, the show would end in a riot or a riot would break out the show would get shut yeah, down it's not yet yeah, it's really not long ago in the big you know the big scale of things but you know for some people it it seems like forever ago but yeah i mean you know i think uh the scene since since those conflicts has always been very open. I mean, listen, what kind of scene is going to allow, you know, Harry Krishnas to walk around with a painted face, ringing bells barefoot, like, you know, and not even blink an eye. Like, it was such an open, inviting place for so long. It still is when people rewrite history and try to act like it's it was something else. And there's gatekeeping. There's just that's not the case. Gatekeeping only ever happened that I could remember against certain people that had legitimate violations against them that everybody knew about or white power neo-nazis you know bob no i mean i not to just blindly agree with everything richie said but i agree with everything you just said so thank you bob i appreciate that So the next thing we should probably talk about, since it's really fresh, well, I want I want to hear these guys what they think about what. It, ah, Greg, don't care. Do <laughs> you guys, when when you hear when you hear certain groups of people, certain scenes, certain areas, certain bands, complain about gatekeeping, do you, do you, could you make me understand maybe what they're referring to, or am I missing I'll, something, or is it just kind of like bullshit? I'll be honest. Most of the time I see people saying it, I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Like, this is why gatekeeping's needed, or this is why we shouldn't gatekeep or something. I'm like, I don't even know in which direction that even fucking means. So like, 
Yeah, that's people the vibe just, I get. And I'm always like, like maybe I'm, just like, I'm missing something. I, I think that every single time, I'm like, this is why gatekeeping should exist. And it's just like a normal video of like a dude in the show. And I'm like, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I have no fucking idea, man. Interesting times. Interesting times. Yeah, I don't got Twitter, so I don't know too much about it, you know? Now, see, I understand you three guys, you're show promoters. So you don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> you, you didn't want to say something negative about Turnstile's wardrobe because you potentially want to book them at some point. But I'm going to keep it honest. All right. I'm the guy who uh, I don't I'm not in that business. So I'm going to keep it honest. All right, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got you. They got I, th- you. I think I think only one of us had that, that, that idea in mind. And it's, it's RTW over here. RTW. That's hard. That's RTL. What, what's cooler, <laughs> RTW or RTL? Come on now. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, bring the next topic. Let's go. Let's go. Let's wind them up, baby. All right. Now, this is Instagram comments, but also Twitter-based, too. Mm. I'm already seeing people immediately shit on the in the BAME reunion. Huh. How could you shit on that? Like, what are they saying? Give me some examples. Uh, someone said something to the end. I'll just put in the word Bane because I was looking up shit before. Let me ask you this. Did Bane ever claim they would never play again? I yes. think so. Well, yeah, they played two last shows. Then you so, could play. Then you could break their balls a little bit. You know what I mean? You can, you can break their balls. But when, again, same way with like the turnstile shit. It's like, like, I can't believe this fucking band would play. Like what? It's like, who gives a fuck? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand getting so heated that a band wants to play again. Yeah, like, if you traveled, it. if you traveled from fucking South Korea to their last show, and you spent all your life savings to get there, yeah, you, you can be a little bit upset. But it's like, yeah, just don't go to the show. Like, I, I, what the what the fuck's the problem here? Yeah, when people get aggravated enough that they make posts, and and you know, you could visibly see they're upset. It's it's pretty goofy. But if they said they never play and they play, then you could say in your head, I knew you guys would be back. You should keep your yeah. mouth shut next time and just fuck, <laughs> come out play when you want to play. Even with the second show shit, it's like, yeah, dude, of course there was going to be a second show. Like, did you actually think they were just going to do one? Like, I don't know. There's probably going to be more than two. What do you guys think? Well, for sure, yeah. It's going to be a week-long residency. Now, me, <laughs> yo, J- uh, Joe actually tried to turn me on to Bane on a ride home from Chicago once, but... Didn't just, go my way. I, I thought I thought <laughs> it was pretty cool. I just didn't really... Uh, I wasn't into Bane in, like, real time. So I never caught the wave, you know what I mean? I think if I was seeing them early on more, I would be more into it. But I just, I, I didn't really, you know, I always knew that they were a dope band. Everybody loved them. But I, music-wise, I, I never got into them. I never knew about it. They were always Richie, a live band for me, so I understand. Mm. Richie, you like Burn or Orange Giant Elevator? No. Yeah. I, don't like, I don't like, is that that style, you think? Don't say it. Don't, don't. <laughs> what? I don't know why he even brought them two up. Is it early why? Bean is definitely a burn ripoff? Oh, okay. what song? Early, early Bean. Bean is is just burn two point No, I, you don't I think, think so? so. I I, I could I could see a couple off offbeat rhythms. I could see they were trying to approach it that way. Yeah, and but I'm I'm not I'm not buying the whole like they didn't go all in on it. Like they may have had some influence, and I know. All the guys in the band were trying to do other stuff. Bane started actually, they started, and then the one member was uh, straddling 
Bane and Converge for a long time until Bane really blew up. And actually, it was all them big sing-along songs. And then, um, Rich, what's the way? What is it? It's a it's a high harmonic when the one guy plays in standard and the other guy goes like a um like a, a progression higher, like with the harmonic, but the same thing. Octave, you mean? Octave. octave right? That's the word. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. When they started really in, uh, adding that one guy doing the octave while the other guy's playing it, that's cool. That's the stuff that I think that they really norm nor as another word we love hearing normalized in hardcore. Like mm. they they and thank you for correcting me. I knew it was I couldn't remember the term, but yeah, I think that that became what they were most known for is those those faster songs driven by the octaves. And then a couple like choppy, you couldn't call it metalcore, but they had like some choppy Ninja Mosh breakdowns and and also Bedard's lyrics. But what's goofy is, is there's so many people, like I did did this one. I'll leave out the first one because I already was talking shit about the person before I hit record. Mm. Um, (laughs) There was a joke that, um, um, fuck, uh, what's his name said from, um, uh, Gulch What if Bane and Gulch did final shows Like a whole tour And then people said Bane sucks Blah 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 And then someone said Like making jokes saying Basically um, Essentially there was no reason to have them come back And I, I was saying to you guys all individually Bane broke up for seven fucking years It's been that long Yeah they're wow. actually, Their reunion is the date of their breakup, the last mm. shows. And it's like, yo, AF broke up and, and we're back in under fucking five years. Mm. Madball broke up for two and a half, three years. Yeah. Yep. TUI, they didn't even last three fucking years being broke up. Mm. You know, like, and, and no one, no, no one has that context, but it's like, oh, yeah, they just broke up. What the fuck? Why'd they do a last shows? And it's like, and, and I'll air some of their shit. There was members multiple members of Bane had wives and children and wanted to focus a little bit more at home and slow down the the amount of tourings. They were such a band that just toured for almost 20 years. And a couple of the rest of the camp were like, Hey, you know, like we're touring musicians. We should stay tour. And an ultimatum was made like, Hey, if we're not going to tour like we used to, we should just stop doing this altogether. And it's like one of them, Breakups that no one wanted to have, but they wanted to make everybody happy. There was no middleman at that time. And I think Brendan McGuire was the uh, bass player and who passed his, his passing and them getting back on stage to honor his memory at the blue at the House of Blues in Boston kind of made them like realize like this is something that they missed. And all this context is lost because you have all these goofy assholes who just run to the internet to try to dunk and say some shit like who the fuck even cares about him? And it's like, ah, dude, I just don't have time for that kind of shit. No, Bane is I mean, uh, dope. You gotta, you gotta give Bane props. I, like I said, I don't know a ton about him, but I know enough to know that they're the real deal. I know their lyrics are like key and I just the vibe people get when they play. So people that are just like, they suck, you know, like, but I mean, they're probably just young, young, goofy people. They don't really know you can't, you can't disbane. You could say, "Oh, I thought you know." You could you could tease them because they said they were done. But even the way they said they're coming back, they really miss it. They want to go. Enough said. You don't get. You don't owe anybody an explanation. Do what the fuck you want. 
Yeah, and they, they fucking sold 7,000 tickets in like two days or something like that. So obviously, wow, just because you think so they dope. suck or you think nobody cares, you you know what I mean? You're, you don't know what the fuck. Like you're, just because you personally think they suck, like obviously there's tons of people who don't. So mm. whatever. Here's one for you because me and Greg were there on stage. I've seen a lot of last shows. I've never seen a 3,000 person room watch a hardcore band. They got on stage at 9.30, and they got done almost closer to 12. Damn. Jesus Christ. Their last set, and me and Greg were there on stage. They sat on the stage and shook hands and took pictures and talked to anyone in the entire theater who wanted to talk to them. No fucking band in the history of fucking hardcore had a last show that went out the way that those guys did. That is dope. That's that song. And I love the way you said it. You had your eyes closed the whole time while you were Oh, it makes me so fucking mad. Uh, it was, makes me so fucking it's like mad. A, a Rain Man vibe going on. <laughs> um, the Bane, next one. So do you guys love Bane? Like big Bane fans or, or what? I like I'll watch them live any day. I've never like fucking got to put on like a Bane record, but especially mm. like getting into hardcore, they're definitely like top three like gateway band i feel like for a ton of people so i mm, i just yeah, think about, that was like a really good era to to get involved and shit and see them all the time you well, know when, when joe mentioned the octaves like you know who else kills it with the, with that style who i always i always think of like the band that does the octave style right is modern life is war and i saw there on that that bane bill yeah they, they, they yeah. just took some notes yeah yeah they play that style greg you were a big fan of bane or not really yeah, I mean, to be honest, they were uh, a guy I grew up with by the name of Gary Gandy. He uh, he was huge in the band. And when we started hanging out like all the time in 2000, he was like, oh, you got to listen to this Bane record. And he would play it all the time. And then like from that, you know, you kind of figure out Chromags and all this other stuff. But, yeah, Bane was definitely like he had that fucking zip up hoodie and he wore it every day and it smelled like ass. But it was like, <laughs> this is one of those bands. It's such a strong logo, right? The Bane logo. It looks great on a zip up. It really does. Yeah, very original. The most original lettering of all time. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Greg, nah, do you just, remember when? Enough, uh, though, you know. Do you remember when people were buying Bane hoodies and taking the B and the E off them and selling them as AN hoodies? Yes, yeah, on eBay. Yes. That was, yeah, that just reminded me of that. Oh, wow, yes, yes, sick. yes. People love making money off of weird shit like that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I will say also, Bane, years and years later when they were doing their last tour, I was like, you know, being being an excited, whatever I was at that time, 20, late 20s, being like, all right, Bedard, please let me book you guys on this last tour. Come on, man, I'm going to do a whole show. And the agent was like, I don't remember who the agent was. You're like, I, I don't know, guys. Like, we're already doing New York and Philly, and New Jersey was getting disrespected, per fucking usual. And then Aaron was like, no, we're going to start the tour in New Jersey, and you're going to do the whole show. And we did the whole show. And I thought that was so cool because they, they were doing all these shows that sold out. And still on the last tour, they're like, all right, now Greg's doing the whole show. We're fucking playing New Jersey. And, you know, you, you're, you were born in Jersey, right? Like, you know, we usually get disrespected over here. So it was nice to have a band finally go to bat. He pulled you state. into that, Rich. What's that? <laughs> he pulled you into that. Yeah, no, Jersey does get disrespected with football, with everything. But, uh, no, yeah, you know what Bane did, too? Like In that last tour, they even... They they uh brought wisdom out to do a show I think in Michigan like they you know 
And they just, I remember just random shows. They were picking like, yo, let's get this band for this show that they were really mixing it up. That's awesome. And and just hearing about, yeah, how they booked that with Greg. That's cool, man. Good for you, Bane. Come back, make some money, have some fun, go crazy, play some (laughs) songs. And you know what? Why two times? Make it three, four, five. Play whenever the fuck you want. You don't need to tell anybody why you're playing. Just where and when. That's all you got to tell us. People are coming. People love Bane. They're in a good position. So going off of more chit-chat, this is a a reply I had, which got a lot of traction, and some people had hit me on the side. Like, is that really how you feel? So the conversation was about um, hardcore pits, moshing. And I said, in retrospect, the East Coast hardcore dancing ruined crowd participation within a few years of it becoming the standard. Sing along stage dives, crowd walking, and everybody fighting to get to the mic is far more epic than six guy ninja kicking in an open horseshoe. So I want your guys' thoughts on that. That's what uh when especially when I started going to shit, I feel like that was what every show was. You had to like fight for your space. You had to like, you know, the like I hate the fucking I like an ignorant pit and fucking people wild out or whatever, like, you know, just dudes going crazy, but I feel like the craziest shows are when, like I said, they get to like fight to get in there and, and it's not just the whole crowd watching two people fucking just mosh and shit like that. So I don't understand why people are like, really? That was a thing? Like, I don't know what the fuck shows you went to, but that was like most of the things that I went to. So, Yeah, I'm with that. I like, you know, I get, when you have that certain type of band, you get the horseshoe and you get the... uh you know, six to a dozen participants and everybody else just circles around. And that's a thing for a certain style of hardcore. But yeah, I prefer the shoulder to shoulder. If you want space, you got to make space. And I love the sing-alongs. I love stage, the stage dives. You know, that's that's my type of uh, hardcore. You know, I love the, the, the heavy, ignorant kind of, uh, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, beatdown bands that have that sort of reaction of the, of the horseshoe, but yeah, what I prefer, dude, I prefer like a mess in there, you know, like a ton of people. And uh, if if you if you can't kick, it's because there's so many people around, you can't even lift your fucking leg up. I want the sing-alongs over anything because to me, it's all about it's about lyrics first and and shit like that. And and with the horseshoe bands, it's kind of hard to get the the pylon and sing-alongs off. And if people don't understand that that was a thing like is that what i'm hearing you say joe like that they they're like the the sing-alongs and and stuff like that is, is what's foreign to them i feel like it is more foreign now hmm. to n- even know how to get up and get the mic and being one of those kids that was one of two or one of six people dancing yeah when i was in my early 20s i had no problem with that but the aesthetic i think long term failed like looking at them CBGB videos and looking at all the videos that like I get excited about even. Uh, and I think at, at the time to, to give more clarity to this context, if there, if we needed some, the, it started with the guy saying hardcore pits are funny to watch now. Cause it's just sloppy push pits and people trying so hard to two step and spin kick while someone pushes them with full force. And I actually also may have mentioned something saying basically you know, that's like the entryway of all of us getting to shows was very much like that. You know, it was very much, you know, I didn't go to my first show in Ninja Kick. You know, I was going to death metal shows. Mm. 
that's what I mean. Like, look at like a biohazard. Anytime you see biohazard, some guy just like a bunch of drunk rednecks push pitting, fucking people trying to actually mosh. Like, what? There's like, it's not just three people. I, I don't know. So I, when the this is what hardcore is now. It's confusing thing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the hell shows you went to when you're younger, but like that was kind of par for the course when I was like going and in, getting into shit. Yeah, the entry level shows. Yeah, that's true. Greg. Yeah, I mean, I think, but I almost feel like I don't think it's going away. I think it's kind of coming back. Like I feel like the the singalongs and the pileups are 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 on its way back up. I feel like the horseshoe band is becoming less and less because even when you think of like Keystone, and I wasn't at FYA this year, so I can't speak take, on it. But even take all festivals out of this equation for it to have a better functioning, because FYA and Keystone, not most kids go to shows that are a thousand to twelve hundred people. You know, mo- yeah, nothing great. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Like most most hardcore shows are about 100 to 120 in a lot of places. Now in California, where they got like 3,000 people, but half of them are high on bathtub meth and just fucking maniacs are gonna have a little bit crazy. But I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the average small show that I'm watching on these videos. If I'm not there, being anything more than just that, just like. Five kids moshing and everybody's back on the wall. Yeah, with their phones up in the back of the room, filming the clip for Instagram story. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the closed in, packed in, whatever it is, show or or whatever. I mean, that's kind of why for me, I want to try and do halls again and try and revisit spaces like that that are different than just. A traditional club and okay i'm gonna rent this club and 2500 rent okay no worries and you know like there's a lot of headaches that come with the vfw hall and i said this before we even got on like you know i paid a thousand dollars to get a hall and you have to give it to the woman up front and then she puts it in the calendar writes it in pen and ink but they're excited and they're they want the bar to do good and they already have your money so they know it's going to be there so it's it's more it's more steps i feel like doing it that way but i think it kind of brings back a time for when I was younger going to just shitty halls in New Jersey and getting to see bands. And even if it was only 50 kids in the room, the kids there were involved and not just standing in the back, hoping to get a dope clip for whatever social media outlet they want to post it on. Yeah. I think honestly, I feel like kids are more into sing-alongs and shit like that than they were in like a really long time in general. So I'm, I'm all, uh, I'm all for that. I mean, the Cold World show at FYA was wild for that. Yeah, people were fucking sing along the whole time. Like, and Bulldoze, too, actually. Bulldoze had to sing along to end all sing alongs because they never had that kind of shit. They didn't even know how to deal with it. <laughs> it was actually fucking awesome. All right. Um, next one I'm going to talk about is personally, what do you, what does each one of you think is lacking? right now in the current scene or in your scope you know they say current scene but like the scope of what you're looking at in hardcore what do you think is lacking let's start off with the og himself richie crutch what's lacking yeah hmm <clears throat> um it still exists but it seems less is the diy ethic is is uh lower than it's been in the past because of of you know it's the booking agents the management 
stuff like that. So it's kind of lacking the personal touch you used to have whenever you wanted a band, you dealt with that band back in the day. So uh, a lot of kids that are just starting uh, to do stuff like you do, Joe, and, and you, Bob, and Greg, and like booking shows, you did it and started all you guys at a time where, oh, you contact the band and it's on and then you build a relationship with the band and it is what it is. So you, that still happens. There's still a decent amount of bands that, that do that, especially newer bands. But what, you know, the the level of uh, dealing with booking agents now is a lot higher than it ever has been. So I guess the personal relationships with with uh, people and directly with the bands is, is less than it's been. So I guess that's where it's lacking a little bit. Anyone want to comment? I mean, you're not wrong. Like that's like me and me and Joe specifically have been talking about that forever. I feel like, like just privately, just you know, going back to the booking agent shit and all that stuff. Like people still and going off that too. Like just because you have a booking agent doesn't mean you have to do whatever the booking agent says. Which kind of goes back to the the DIY shit you're talking about too. Like they work for you. So if you want somebody in your city or in a city you're playing to do the show, you tell them, yo, this person's doing the show, or I don't want. You know what I mean? Like they think that just because they have a booking agent that they have to do whatever they say and management has final say and shows like, no, dude, that, that person works for you. So, but they, you know, they don't understand like the DIY ethics and the hardcore shit. So they just assume that it's like some, some weird big rock shit where you're, you know, they get final say and you don't, you don't get like any opinion on the matter. So yeah, I definitely agree with all that. When bands do that, they feel like they're hiding behind the agent. Yeah. He wants to do this or, but it's kind of uh you know, per in my personal experience, we had booking agents before and the booking agent knew when it came to dealing with so-and-so in this city, you're sitting it out. I'm dealing direct. Yep. If you bring me an offer from some no name house of blues club and, and, you know, in Kalamazoo. Sure. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. You take that over. I don't want to talk to anybody, but if it's a hardcore kid, sit it out. I'll even give you your 10%, but I'll, I'll deal with everything on that end. So yep. if you're in a band, you can do that and you could tell your agent from the get go. And if they're like, no, no, that'll just gum things up. I'll get somebody else. Then I'll, I'll book. Yep. I'll get somebody else to book us. So take, take your shit over. And, and when you deal and when you go to Philly, you deal with these guys and you say, I could deal with those guys. Don't worry about it. Joe Booker. You want 10%? I'll hook you up. Don't, don't sweat it. But the deals between me and them, I, I'm talking business, blah, blah, blah. You could do that. And if you're going to be in the scene, why not do that? That's what makes the scene different from everything else, you know, or at yep. one time anyway. Uh, definitely. And also like in, in other worlds, like for work, if I'm booking a YouTube series, obviously with that series is going to come makeup artists and all these things. I have clients that are very involved to say, Hey, I want so-and-so to do makeup. I want this person to do props. Like, like if in on, on another level, like that would be not hardcore related. You know, there's, talent that will say, you know, do the same exact thing. So if you're in a quote unquote hardcore band and you're hiding behind an agent or you don't want to say no to a promoter or whatever it is, fucking respond and say, you can't do it or you don't want to do it or you have a different vision for whatever it is rather than like dicking around and wasting people's time or, or, you know, like hiding behind someone else to, to do the dirty work for you or just straight up burning promoters that had your back when you were coming up and then just going to, the live nation or the AEG, which is nothing wrong with it, but like at least be real with it. Yeah. Stop playing good cop, bad cop with people. Have yeah. the balls to say yes or no. Have the balls to tell the, the agent to sit this one out. This is my homie. 
do things on your own at least a little bit otherwise go play metal shows motherfucker you always want to play our shit because because we got good shows before you know before you're even on that level that you should have good shows and that's the beauty of hardcore if you're in a metal band you think you're gonna have you can you're doing pay to play in the gymnasium somewhere when you first start out that's how it is you know yeah. so it's like they, they get it they they get it nice in the beginning and then they don't remember later on these motherfuckers name some bands <laughs> that do that joe name some bands. <laughs> not now because all the all the fucking death metal bands now just go ahead and say hey hardcore bands you want to play with us I think yeah. it's the wackest shit ever that a bunch of dickheads who have short hair and never spent a shit ton of time in death metal scene wearing war vests all of a sudden are on all the magazines and they're starting all these death metal bands. I know. And they don't want to play with death metal bands. They want to play with hardcore bands. And it's like, listen, man, why don't you go out and you should have to fucking pay to play. That's where gatekeeping comes in. Get the fuck out of our shit. Here's the, right? the Go yeah, burn the, the church down. No. Leave us alone. The death, the death metal dudes actually had a right. They were like, oh, cool. You want to come up? Cool. Sell some fucking tickets. Let people know that actually, let's see anyone pay to see you come here. They actually had it right in a lot of real fucked up backwards way because in metal, there isn't no like, we gotta support, we'll say support the death metal scene, but they they don't mean what, the way we mean it. And, and I, I'm a little frustrated with the amount of death metal permeating and sticking into hardcore and everyone being oh, good with it. I say, yeah, yo, it. start your own raggedy ass shit. Go play some bar. Every All three of your bands have to sell 50 tickets. Otherwise, no one gets paid at the door because that's what death metal was when I was going to shows as a kid. And every local dude knew we would buy tickets at Champions. So we'd buy a ticket and go to the stupid show. And that's how we did it. Now it's just some dickhead with short hair who is talking about hardcore who's in some death metal band. It's fucking corny. So I'm with you. And come on, half these hardcore bands just sound like death metal bands anyway. <laughs> or, you know. Well, uh, on to the, the thing. There's just an touch. Again, I'm talking, go back to gatekeeping. There's no, there's no one saying, hey, 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 hey. Let's see what you guys do in a year or two. Like, Or let me walk... I'm going to walk through you the first six months. Let's see what kind of shows, what we can get going. There's a heavy handed influence that comes from just being on an agent's roster. Greg, stop me if I'm lying. So the influence that a, a roster that has heavier bands at the top, and I don't mean heavier, I mean, more weight, more clout, more power, a, a junior agent with the power of association can demand more money for a band that's not worth it out of fear for that the booker slash buyer couldn't could make things awkward or harder. So they'll buy they'll buy a baby band with no record of any kind of interest. And that's why bands are starting to use the cheat code. So I, I'm, 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 I'm in full agreement. I think people are too quick to jump on it. They're too quick to sidestep the hard work. And it, this sort of ties in with one of the weird scratched up notes did any of you guys see the tweet where the kid was getting shit on for being like the guy's like you know it's really fucking hard it's really fucking hard to go on tour and you know it's not made for everybody and it was like some metalcore dude did you guys see that or no 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 i did not so basically the the the, the quote tweet which is how it ended up in my feed was some hardcore people saying like, yeah, this is exactly how you do it. You just get in the van and you fucking make it happen. But from the metalcore perspective, like it's too fucking expensive 
to just go out there and tour. Like you bands need to have a real fucking audience if you're going to fucking make it out on the road, bro. And this ties into another goofy story. There was a band who had a GoFundMe to repay themselves for lost money from a tour <laughs> that they that fucking bombed. Even though <laughs> even though they were um even though they were signed to a label, their tour and I almost thought it was a work like promo. Like like literally like like that's how they were going to get promoted because no one knew who the fuck they were. The band was called um I R I S T Irist launches GoFundMe after campaign or respond to this. launches GoFundMe campaign after tour losses amount to maybe twenty thousand. <laughs> They're an up and coming metal act that released an EP in the fall, and um they decided that the smartest thing to do was to get on these metal websites by having a GoFundMe. <laughs> That's humiliating. That's, yeah, I, I don't understand. Having no shame is fucking... Like, the first U.S. tour we ever did, we literally begged for money outside of gas stations to get gas. We siphoned gas. Like, all this shit. Like, I would... I, stop, I can't imagine. Stop, stop, like, What the fuck? Stop. <laughs> There's no way Robert Taylor Wilson IV himself siphoned this gas. Oh, I was fucking. I was asleep in the van. I woke up and two of the band members were throwing up violently because they didn't do it correctly. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Oh shit! Which which <laughs> ties into why that movie premise sucked to start. Do you know how much gas you'd have to steal to drive from a cornfield into a city? <laughs> what movie are you talking about? That fucking bullshit skinhead movie where uh, Jean-Luc Picard is the master skinhead dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wackest <laughs> movie. You can always tell someone's a herb. When they're like, yo, that movie was crazy. <laughs> what yeah, is the best skinhead movie? Uh, Romper Stomper. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Greg, a best skinhead movie. I don't know if I ever watched a skinhead movie. American Soft. History X. And you're bald and a skinhead? <laughs> you're a God's, God's created skinhead and you don't want skinhead movies? Romper Stomper over American History X? Absolutely. Wow. Because he's not even a real skinhead. He didn't. He he shaved Who? himself. None of them are. They're actors. What the little brother. About? The little brother. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, you talk about John John Luke Picard. I don't like Star Star Trek. He wasn't a real captain of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> I can't watch that. Like, come on. American history. Actually, when he curbed that dude, damn. When he got raped in the, in the joint. Oh man, damn. I like fun movies like Corky Romano or Night at the Roxbury. You know, I like all like all the crazy stuff. I rather just watch fun, laugh a little. You know, yeah, you are a Disney dude. You probably never seen exactly. a movie that is R rated. Exactly. You've never watched Corky Romano, Greg. Stop, stop. This. Love Corky Romano. Come on now, great film. Chris Kattan's the man. All right, yeah. Let's see. He always takes it too far. He takes it too far every time. All right. So um, before we got off the thing, I feel as if there is a scale that's tilted no longer towards discourse and criticism. But if you come out and you say like, Hey, why do you need to have a GoFundMe when your band failed? Or you say anything contrary to besides giving the personal positive, the person positive support, 
and the softest people in the world jump out on the internet to protect them. Yeah, like people that would diss Turnstile for a shirt, <laughs> and then everybody got to defend him. No, not shut <laughs> up. It's a goofy shirt. No big deal. <laughs> it's exactly what you were talking about <laughs> earlier. Earlier, it was defend them and don't say anything. Now you're saying attack them. Which one is it? I'm talking about touring. I'm talking about touring. I'm talking about bad them? records. I'm talking about all the bad shit that really made hardcore. I really don't feel like anyone is actually saying like Richie. This may break your heart, but do you know there's tons of kids out here who openly call themselves hardcore kids, and they don't listen to Warzone? I mean, it doesn't break my heart, but it's like a timing thing. I could see. Like, you know, they, you should at least understand and acknowledge Warzone, but you don't got to listen to them. You should know? just know them. At one time, what made hardcore different, not even too long ago, and I always said this. I said this publicly on my pad podcast, you know, I think we started our podcast like 2015. I probably said it back then. Hardcore, I said it's cool because kids really respect the elders, you know. And I said hip-hop is whack because the young hip-hop kids say, fuck Rakim, fuck KRS-One. We don't, they publicly say that, right? They, they didn't give a fuck. Meanwhile, for a long time anyway, in hardcore, they were like, yo, props to Warzone. Props to minor threat. I don't really listen to it, but respect, you know, blah, blah. But kind of like now hardcore is sort of taking a turn where it's turning on the elders and openly disrespecting elders, which is a new thing in hardcore. I, I noticed that. So if kids are like, I don't listen to Warzone, that's fine. But don't hate on Warzone. Don't disrespect. You know what I mean? That's that's a different story, you know. Well, this goes with the Bane thing. It doesn't go as far back. It's like, oh, Bane really misses hardcore that they probably, over the years of being in a band, ended up losing money. And they want to come back and play because they miss a fucking old loser. Stay out. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's just fucked show. up. You're right. And back in the day, people really wouldn't say that. Like, they just wouldn't. Like, an old head got mad props back in the day. Even though, like, I didn't listen to Minor Threat. I didn't even fuck with, like, Youth of Today. None of that shit. I didn't like that. But I would never be like, fuck them. Because I understood, like, oh, that's without that, there's not this, you know. But I just didn't yeah. feel the music. But now it's just like they're quick to be like, fuck this guy, old loser. Fuck that, uh, what do you call boomer? Fuck this. It's like, <laughs> wow, this is interesting times. And they're kind of like, you know, it's it's more hip hop ish than than it used to be, which is kind of like complete disrespect. Me, 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 mine, 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 and fuck everything else. Fuck tomorrow. Fuck yesterday. This is what's going on. This is all that matters, you know. So it's not all all around, but I'm just saying I see that more often than I ever did before. I will say though, who needs minor threat when you got thrown out? All right. <laughs> I know you actually think that, which is why that hurts. Throwdown. Come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know too much about throwdown, but I mean, you you can't really, you know. One is, I don't like minor threat. But minor threat is very important, very relevant, you know. And I'm not dissing Throwdown. I don't know much about him, but you can't. I mean, it's just no contest. I'm sure you're just kidding, Craig. I'm sure you're kidding. Honestly, too, I kind of like a balance, though. Like, I like the uh, fuck you, we're going to do what we want to do. Like, I don't care what you did before shit, but I also. I, I like that, too, but without the yeah. disrespect. Oh, for yeah, like yeah. it's like yo, I you can respect and acknowledge what came before you, and still think that what you're doing is better, and you want to put everything into making it as good as possible. 
Like when people just blindly are like, nah, fuck you. This is the only thing that matters. I'm like, well, without this, you wouldn't even fucking exist. Or stuff. hundred percent. But yeah. And I like that too. That like, cause yo, listen, these bands nowadays are better than those bands. They're better. Like, I, I mean, I'm not scared to say that it, it, they sound better. They play better. They get better productions, obviously because of, you know, uh, of technology, but they are just better bands, but it doesn't mean you have to disregard the old and act like, and especially even kind of rewrite history. Like these old bands were almost like toxic, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Even you see elements of in the scene now, but you know, like I said, I don't like minor threat, but I get it. I understand the relevance and importance. So if a band nowadays is like, I don't like Warzone, but I get it and I understand, but my shit is better. Yep. Respect to that. I like that. I just don't like the the open, like just disrespect, you know? Yeah. Richie from the early eighties, what, what out of those bands do you like really fuck with that? You'd be like, okay, this is my shit. The only, only band from the early eighties that I could say that I fuck with would be like agnostic front. Like, but I fucked with what they ended up sounding like, not what they sounded like in the early eighties, you know, like I fucked, I fucked with them when they sounded like one voice. That, you know, but uh, but I get is it. That- I under, I understand why victim in pain and and United Blood, why that's important. But I'm not rocking that. I don't listen to that shit. All out of tune and crazy sounding. You know what <laughs> I mean? So your but, pick would be one voice out of the AF discography. That's it. That's the key. That's that's right. to me. That's the best metal record of all time and the best hardcore record of all time. I love One Voice. It's a good one. Yeah, I can see why people don't. Don't dig it. And, uh, you know, if you listen to that 185 South, he did a great um, a great rundown of that album. And when he was talking to uh, their guitar player, Maddie, he was saying at the time, a lot of people didn't feel it. You know, it was like it was too much of a change for for some people and they just didn't feel it. But, you know, to me and my friends, we were like, yo, now we could get into this. You know, these guys actually tune their guitars before they recorded. We like this, <laughs> you know. Um, to touch on what you were saying, Bob and Rich, the hardest thing I have to deal with is seeing people with not a lot of time in thinking that when they hit something, whether it's like, oh, we did this or we did that show wise or song wise without context of the past. And this is key to a lot of these metalish kids who we didn't gatekeep from the core. They tend to they try to self celebrate shit that we've already done before. And it's like, Oh, you guys just found this out. We've already had this technology. Like you ain't the first person to do this (laughs) and you ain't the first person to do that. And, you know, it was hard coming up being told like, Oh, you missed the youth of the day. You missed this band. You're not going to see this guy. Like I got told a lot of that, but at the same time, it did show me that I needed to listen to what I didn't understand. I had the same problem Rich had coming from metal i'm like what the fuck how is this one of the best bands Mm. like what are we gonna do here but over time you can have reverence or at least with the respect for the past without like having to constantly refer to it as this is the only this is the greatest nothing's better because i mean if that's not if that's the case then what how do how do you fucking talk about terror because they're still going yeah. But I also think that the problem of today's internet is and millennial kids, which makes me sound like a boomer calling them millennials, but they are, is that they find something new to them and they almost immediately assume they're the they're the curate, like, oh, we're the ones. Like 
we know what you know this is and it's like (laughs) you know hold on young man (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. this has already been done before or this is not an original thought yeah and you you're not going to get a lot of original thought in music in general where you know in in music where you use guitars bass and drums it's going to be you know there's got to be some sort of blueprint that's kind of everything's based off in this, the four chord deal. And of course you could get more technical as you go, but it's, it's, that's it. You know, you're going to sound like somebody else, you know, the, the keys that you pick are going to remind someone of something else. Like, you know, what's that band? Uh, to me, uh, it starts with an I, I think they sound a lot like the Cro-Mags. Illusion. Illusion? No, it's another band. It came out not too long. It, oh, he's there about Ikulu, yeah. Ikulu, Ikulu with E, yeah, okay. Ikulu sounds a lot like the Cro-Mags, all right? But I'm going to be honest here. People will hate this. They sound better than the Cro-Mags. Like, if, if those songs were by the Cro-Mags, people would understand how good those songs are. They sound better than the Cro-Mags, but they sound like the Cro-Mags. So we get it, you know. We get what they did, and if if it didn't sound better, they wouldn't have got any any hype. People would just been, oh, it's a ripoff, it's a Cro-Mags ripoff. But they sound like the Cro-Mags, but they made the shit better. And for me to say better, people will get mad because Age of Quarrel is so important. I get it, and it is a dope record. But you could have that and still continue and do the next thing and the next thing. But for you to disregard the Cro-Mags, when we got bands from 2022 that are sounding like the Cro-Mags, it's crazy. You know, the Cro-Mags are very important. Whether you listen to them back then or not, it kind of doesn't matter. Just at least respect the influence, like, and understand, yeah, yeah, this is part of the whole family. You know, this is all the big family, and that's great-grandpa that we kind of don't fuck with, but we get it. It's dope. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's 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 still dope, and that's, that's kind of, you know, I just see a blatant kind of, like, fuck this guy fuck that band fuck this and it's almost like wow i just it's foreign to me because i would it would never cross my mind to publicly say fuck an old band that i didn't have personal beef with when i when i was first coming into this scene a couple years into the scene me talking about like fucking i don't know name the band negative approach in a disrespectful way it just wouldn't happen you know neither one is i shut everything down with that I'm waiting for Greg to chime in. I mean, that's just the entitlement that comes with current day. I think, like, right? I mean, at the at the at your fingertips at all times, there's something that you can express an opinion. You can give an opinion. You can have an opinion, and a, a lot of the opinions aren't even validated. Or like, why the fuck do you have an opinion on how somebody's dressed on a red carpet? It's like it's just like that's like really what you need to people need to express that right now. I need to express, oh, I don't agree with how they're dressed. Like maybe you do, maybe you don't. But is that really what like in the middle of a, a grown adult's work day, working away, probably have a six figure job, living in your mom's basement, just saving money, and you see what turnstiles dressed on the on the red carpet? You're like, all right, I need to I need to let these motherfuckers know how I feel about this. It's just it fun. was hard to resist though. It looked so funny. I mean, you got. <laughs> Listen, the Duncan part, the Duncan part, I'm not even upset about. It's more or less, it, it what what concerns. It's a weird, weird thing where you can support the band and, and fight tooth and nail every day. Someone's feeding the trolls by being like, they're not a hardcore band anymore, and they all jump. They're a hardcore band. You better shut your fucking mouth. Yes, they are. Don't say that. And then the next thing you know is, yo, why are these dickheads not dressed like we are? And it's like, oh, my God, here we go. I I have a problem 
I have a bigger problem ultimately with the lack of continuity in the culture. And so at different times, some of the bands that are promoting themselves as like DIY or punk or hardcore have no attachment to the business ethics of the DIY scene. And then sometimes it's the goofy ass metalcore bands that are doing the house shows and they're, yeah, they're kicking holes in the walls and loving the beat down mosh that we were just talking against. But sometimes some of these kids that are these outlier bands actually have a more pure idea of like the lack of structure, do it yourself. than some of the bands that are taking the more punk angle in presence, but have a manager publicist, you know, booking agent, huge label, and everyone talking about them all the time. 100%. And a great example of that would be at This Is Hardcore this past year, Kubalcon. Kubalcon was playing after WeeWay. Eddie was up there. He was really having a good time. They added some songs to the set. Went and talked to Kubalcon. He was like, hey, like, this is what's going on. They're like, all right, no worries. We're just going to cut some songs from our set. Just let him play. Let him, if he's feeling it, let him play for as long as they want. Oh, and that cool. Like, and they're a huge band with all of those things. Publicists manager booking agent fucking whatever whatever there is and they were they as a band directly standing together like ready to play after we was done was like oh no 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 don't cut them shoot let eddie do his thing let him do his thing we'll just cut a song don't worry about it so some people get it some people don't so it's like gatekeep weed out the fucking posers yeah yeah that's really cool i didn't know they did that and i think what, what, what joe's talking about is pretty funny too because it's it's kind of like a lot of the bands right now that have an appearance of like stripped down hardcore punk are furthest thing from that when it comes to the business side of things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they do have publicists and they're looking for the write ups and they're worried about algorithms and but sound and appearance is, you know, one thing, reality. And the business side of things is another, and that is that is true. I don't know how these metalcore bands operate. To be honest, I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, maybe those guys are in some on some on some some levels more in touch with just kind of the do it yourself vibe. I wouldn't even I wouldn't know though, to be honest. So let me switch it up the other way. What do you think we need a lot less of? Um. I mean, going back to the earlier conversation, like we've talked about a million times, I feel like the the death metalification of everything is just it's fucking enough. Like I and if if you're gonna just go up there and play your shit, whatever, but like I don't need a dude in a death metal band like moshing while he's singing or like acting like he's fucking Vogel or something like that. Just if you want to be a death metal dude, be a death metal dude. Do something crazy, fucking write something crazy, don't like I hate the uh, the soft the softness that comes with the the death metal shit coming from hardcore kids. That shit drives me fucking crazy. I like Greg. that. Yeah, I mean, like what AF got banned from CBs because they brought fucking animal carcasses to the venue, right? And they threw it inside, and then that's what the first time when AF was banned from CB. So it's like if you're gonna have a shtick, then stick with the shtick. Don't don't try and cosplay like you're something else is that a diss on af i don't i don't <laughs> No, it's just they did their thing you know? they were doing their thing i like where he started but i didn't understand if that was the end of it 
Yeah. <laughs> great, great poignant factoid, but where do we go with this? He's been waiting to drop that for two hours. He just wanted to get that into the conversation. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I kind of lost what, what we were talking about. And I was like, so, you. I, what, what would a death mob band do? They'd probably bring some fucking dead carcasses and throw them on the stage. They had to the cool. I was rushing to that No, but to be honest with you, I think I'd actually respect them more if they were throwing blood and being a death metal band instead of trying to wear a fucking stiffier guns crew neck and be goofy. Like, mm-hmm. I think the, the cross... The crossing over, it's like where I see this is, uh, to quote Dune, I see plots within plots. I see people faking punk to get to the next level and then be some goofy ass person who's dressed like the fucking Beatles once they found fucking masculine. Or <laughs> they are a failed metalcore dude for the 16th time. And so they go the death metal route. And then anyone who doesn't know anything about death metal just has decibel or someone write about them. Like, Oh, this band's amazing. They're going to be the greatest. And because hardcore is the easiest pasture to get a lot of fans from, they go there first, but just because they're playing the stages doesn't mean that they're connecting in the same way. Cause they're all trying to grow their audience large enough to eventually jump up and play the live nation and big stages. So it's like, why are we constantly spending asses and resources uh, towards these people when they're openly knowing that they're looking at this as like the feeder system to where they get to play for the bigger money. And I hate that it's constantly like the, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing kind of approach. That's, that's the way I look at that goofy shit for me personally, it's a private thing, or maybe I'm just fucking stupid. I feel like every single fucking person in the history of the world wants to be a person like not, not a person who's just at a show. Like you don't see Kevin Hare running around like proselytizing himself and trying to monetize something he does. But there's so much goofy side monetization of everything in hardcore by random people that it's just fucking goofy to me. Like, the bands, the young bands, Bob, you know better than anyone. You're because we were talking about selling tapes before we got on thing. Like, dude, tapes. I don't know if bands are even breaking. Like, I know you're probably not breaking even or barely doing tapes. I know that T-shirts cost a shit ton, so you can't charge too much to the kids. Like, there's so much monetization of every single part of the the hardcore that I feel like that. Like, if today by today's standard, if we did like a copy and pay zine i bet you there's people that charge five or ten dollars or something like that and it just blows my mind that the first thing people start doing is not doing it and get better at it and get better at it but put a price tag on it that's my complaint of right now so that's what you want less of i don't want less of us just complaining like why why does something immediately hit the market with a price tag like you used to start on a zine and you just get one people in the read what you have to say and then you would go from that to this. But it seems like the the currency of today is in everybody being like, well, this is your hard work and you're doing this. And it's like, if it's the only thing they're doing, you can't quit your job until you get to the point where you, you can keep the lights on. So I, I it's a, it's almost like a weird Reservoir Dogs argument about this is the my violin for the, the people that are starting off being like, this is how I pay my bills. It's like, well... Selling tapes in a zine isn't going to make your bills get paid. So you got to 
get something together first? Or am I crazy, guys? No, you're on point. I like what everybody said. Bob, you need less, less of all of those things. Bob, do you think I'm reaching? No, I mean, I. it's like I was trying to think of an example. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to – because I know what you're saying, and I agree with it. I'm just trying to think of, like, a, a different way of uh, explaining it. It's kind of good. I mean, I don't know if this is really what you're saying, but like the people who get mad if you don't credit them right away for like bingo like vote or something a, like that. That's the biggest thing is it's the fucking credit, the credit system. Like, you know that I did this? I don't know that I did this. Like, you know how much shit I did just because I wanted to do it? You know, like, yeah. Like, you just do stuff. Sometimes you just do something and you do it because you want it done. Like, I got, I, I found a picture from like, two years ago or something like that, that I posted on the FYA thing. And like, it was just on my phone. I could not venture a guess where the fuck I found the picture or whatever. And I posted it. And within minutes, like, you're really going to not fucking credit this person, you piece of shit. Like, I literally got like five messages <laughs> calling me an asshole. Like, gotcha. I was into, like, like, I fucking stole Picasso and fucking claimed it was my own or something. I was like, dude, I don't, I could have gotten this picture literally anywhere. Like, what the fuck are you mad at me about? But everybody yeah. wants to credit. Everybody wants to be the guy. Everybody wants to, my, so proud of my team. Like all this fuck. I'm just like, dude, just shut the fuck up and, and do your shit. Like, it's fucking, it's enough, dude. I had people going at me for using pictures of my band that I found online on like just a normal post, like just reposting something that somebody posted. And the guy was all mad because he took the, I didn't know who took the picture. I was just, I, I was tagged. Yo, you're like, I'm in the picture, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a picture of me. I was tagged in it. And I, I repost anything that we're tagged in. And then, you know, I don't know. It wasn't the original guy who took it that put it up in the first place, but that guy was all bent out of shape. I'm like, give me a fucking like, break. What do I, I don't, I don't know who took the picture. It'd be different if you took time and like edited out the watermark or whatever the fuck, but you found the fucking picture. You posted it because you like the fucking thing. Yeah, like, didn't even look at it. Just reposted. <laughs> like, oh, tagged in it. Repost, repost. And, and it was like, so, you know, who knows? People are fucking stupid. But you know what we need less of? Don't be mad, guys. Don't be mad. Because these things are very important, but we need less of them. Hardcore fests. Oh, okay. absolutely. It's, it's becoming... Listen, people want to... I'll stop right now. If we had a treaty where everybody agreed to not do one, I would be in. That's fine. Across the no, we need entire some. globe. We need, we need some. We just need less. And and this is the thing. People want to pretend like hardcore is big and it's getting so big. It's not. Like hardcore is a, such a weird scene that where you got to like, you got to worry about what California is doing on the same weekend in the East on the for an East Coast show. You'd be like, "Oh, something is big is going on in L.A., so maybe not book that weekend." That's how small this scene is. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like you need the fest, but you don't need as many fests, especially throughout the summer. Well, if everyone could coordinate some sort of spaced out, smart way to do things, that would be great because the fests are very important. And they are like, you know, people love them and they're, they're a, a social event, of course, but we could probably use less. So to touch on that, to talk about it real quick, the thing for me that I see is that just like with the credit part we were talking about. So, you know, and, and some of it's actually like, almost, let's just say it's almost like an attaboy to us, us talking, all four of us. Someone saw what we did and wanted to emulate it or do their best version of it for their town. But then 
without the the thought process or how do they you know how do how does their whole town build off it what i'm seeing is a lot of smaller regional fests basically book the same five bands every couple months all over so like as i strategically am booking this as hardcore you know some of these bands are in my backyard or within a two-hour drive and i love to have them all play the fest but if the kid in Kalamazoo and the kid in Wichita and the dickhead who lives in that weird part of Michigan that has woods, but it's next to Canada. Like if they've already seen that band an hour from their house, why should they play? This is hardcore because initially, and this is hardcore was a place where you could see those bands, but with the advent of these smaller bands, smaller fests flying out the same bands, it's making, it less important for the kids from those areas to fly out to stuff. And if that's the case, Hey man, that's the cultural shift and I'll shift with it. I'll fucking stop. Believe me, because what I'm not going to do is get my feathers ruffled and be like, this is fucking, no one should be doing this unless I'm not doing it, you know? But I also think that some of these shows, these promoters, they, they want to be elevated to say, well, I booked my own fest where, you know, if if your show, if your regular show isn't doing 200 persons, maybe you're not ready to fly out six or seven bands because it's your local scene that needs to get built up. I mean, the Philly scene, the Pennsylvania scene, the Jersey scene have always been huge drawing areas as for regular shows. So we've kind of got like a bread basket where a lot of people travel because our shows have some renown. And I mean, Bob Wilson, that motherfucker, fucking king, goes down to Florida and just basically colonizes Florida for Pennsylvania. It's like, <laughs> yo, we're going to take this shit over. We're going to show you mongoloids how we do it. And next thing you know, it's just PA Hardcore South down in Florida in the first the first two weeks of fucking January now. But it, it comes from years of experience. It comes from getting that that ability to know, okay, you know, like this is a band we're worth paying thousands of dollars to have them fly out. This is a band we can't like, and I, and I'm not knocking them and saying like, Hey, it's cool that you want to try to do this, but understand like you got to walk before you run, you know, like you're not just booting on a fest so you can go on Twitter and put that in your bio because there are bands who travel to some of these things and they don't get good responses. And, and I see, I see, in a year or two where bands are going to finally turn and go, Hey man, you know, like this, this fucking thing wasn't even as good as the tour date we could have played. And that's, that's what's going to happen as these things continue to pop up. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you should cultivate the local, the local scene and the regular shows first, get those at a high level before making that move. At least. That's, I mean, I 1000% agree with that. Like people try to fest the scene into existence, essentially. And it's like, that's not indicative of like what your actual scene is or what things can actually be. Cause it's just trying to put a huge production together when it's not as important as, you know, the, the year round shit. Um, if, if anybody should feel a certain way about so many fucking fests, I mean, Joe, you've literally been doing this hardcore. This would be year 17 or 16 or whatever the fuck. 17. Like, 17. So like you've been, or you've literally been busting your ass every fucking summer for since 2006. And so, yeah, it is a lot of look at me, look what I can do for, you know, around here. I brought this band that played like everybody wants to be the one that brought whatever band to their city. So they think they're the man or the girl or whatever. And then that and then 
there's a lot of, okay, I want to do a fest. Who do you guys want to see? It's like, well, if you're going to do something, at least come with something like original or some kind of like taste that like separates it. Don't just fucking replicate something you saw that was successful. That's like the laziest, corniest shit on earth. And yeah, then, they literally, you know, I mean, I feel like people just cherry pick off the top, the top of any fest that they see. Okay, I'm going to cherry pick these bands from the top. And then on top of that, they're driving the rates up. So if you're yep. a band that would play fifth on a lineup in Philadelphia or New York City, and you're playing top three on a lineup in, the, let's say, Kansas City, and then in Kansas City, they give you 3K, but when you play Philadelphia, you get paid 500, and then you're like, no, no, sorry, Joe, our, our new rate is $3,000. Let us know. Oh, oh, right in Pennsylvania, it's a B mark. We'll, t- we'll take 2K for that one. You know, it's, these bands yeah. are like living in la-la land with money now because everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, we, we got – 3k in kansas city so how are we gonna get 3k in kansas city because yeah the, the kansas city fest budget was five thousand dollars you know and yeah that was all their entire band budget and they put a bunch <laughs> of locals on with you guys playing with two locals headlining or whatever it would be which is fine like that's okay to do it that way but then you have your inflating egos of people that that literally cannot take that like some people can't take that inflation of their egos like oh no my band's worth 3k now we're not going to play your fest and then it just kind of trickles down to all the other bands and that's kind of how it bleeds yeah, that mean <laughs> exactly, and that's that's basically what, you know goes back to Joe being like, yeah, like if you don't do shows all the time and you don't know what a band's actually worth and you just throw out crazy numbers because you're doing like a fest, then like it's not doing anybody any good. Yep, and yeah, it's just it's fucking it's it's just crazy. It just makes it harder for everybody. Like not a woe is me fucking thing, but it's like, well, all right, well this fest is doing that, so that rules out this, this, and the other. So. I guess I got to like shift focus and try to do this stuff. And yeah, it's a whole, it's just, everybody wants to be the most important person in their scene. So it's just fucking muddy things. The sad know your thing. Role. They got to know, learn your role, motherfucker. Learn your <laughs> role, Kansas city. All right. <laughs> We're talking about Kansas city, Kansas, not Kansas city, Missouri. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I find myself wanting people to understand like the impetus and, and, and of everything is like, like, what do you like? I, I don't know. For me, I, I look at like wanting to put bands on a stage because people who were in the city doing the shows weren't doing it. You know, that's it. And, and at no point did I say, um, hey, there's this thing over here that's like that. In fact, only through, and you guys all know because we all go do through the same thing like yeah when if you're a nerd fan of the super bowl of hardcore in new york city that was legendary that thing's the fucking bible if you ever wanted to put the greatest hardcore show ever or just just shows you how to stack a lineup and you start to become like not only like if you're a flyer nerd or trying to book shows you want to put those things together but what made whether it's the olympic coliseum in california or you know like we said like the shows in new york it was because those scenes were so strong. If the people who you're going to pay $3,000 a headline, your, your town, their booking agent wouldn't book them in your town. When you're to- when the tour, it means your band, your, your, your city isn't in the place to have its own fest. And I feel for them, but it's like, and it's not something you can't have a fest. It means like you're fiscally not, solvent enough for a band to drive whatever hours are between the next couple shows now granted there's plenty of small places i've played where like it ended up being a good time 
And because there isn't nothing and they get one, the, the, the one that, that I think of the most that is the outlier is that snow, snow and flurry. Small. It's out in a state that I don't think most people travel to. So because something happens, it's worth it. But, you know, at the same time, if, if they had four other competing festivals to deal with in an eight-hour circle, they wouldn't have a fest anymore. You know, and I think that the thing a young promoter or even any promoter should focus on, unless their whole entire purpose is to make profit, how does the, how do I fit in here? You know, like as I'm getting older, um, you know, I was lucky to spawn, spurn, whatever you want to use it, spurn the interest in people like Bob Wilson, who then can grab the reins do his shit, and then we got the Stucky coming out, and he's doing his shit, you know, and we're still there to guide these guys, and and, and hopefully they'll take things in directions, but because they were spurned on by us and shown the way by us, they're going to keep these things in mind, and I think maybe some of it's because no one's out here saying this stuff, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this, because on the internet, as we've been talking about this whole hour and a half, this is like bad ideas from stupid people, but... (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think everybody's racing to have this moment where they announce and everyone says all this nice stuff. And um, what was the quote from Sopranos? You're only good as the last envelope you, you handed in. <laughs> and it's just as true for that as it is for FS. Like, yeah, you might have had a great FYA, Bob, but guess what, motherfucker? Next one's coming up. You know, like, you know, this is fucking, this is fucking that movie, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. The day later, it's like, all right, we got 364 more days. This shit's going to happen again (laughs) because you want to stay at the top. And I think that it's not a bad thing to want to do something. I don't think it's a bad thing if you can succeed. But if you're, if you're flying out 12 bands from another place, and it's not selling out the room or you're not even able to stoke the interest of these bands to start telling their agents, Hey, or the, you know, or just come back. Hey, we should just play this on a regular time. You almost never hear that with the exception of Tulsa and Tulsa actually always was dope because they're in the middle of Texas and wherever else is North or West of Te- or East of Texas. Mm-hmm. So they always had good shows. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of, people wanting the self gratification and the pats in the backs and the attaboys and all that shit. So I don't know. It's just right, crazy. So listen, give us one more good one. Cause I got to eat something. I'm about to pass out. Ooh, man. I mean, cause we were, cause we were talking about all these different things. I want to leave it on the most positive note ever. Oh, nice. Most <laughs> positive note ever. Boring. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> All right, we're to, I'll, I'll make the most contentious thing. Okay, go ahead. This is the first time that I can remember, and I actually think it is the first time that I can ever say that Paris Mayhew, John Josephs, and Harley Flanagan are all actively involved in different bands and not all in the Cro-Mags together or trying to make the crow mags happen and i want to see in order one being the best two being okay and three being the worst how you rate the three very currently oh nice <laughs> oh god 
and and I want you to rate them. You can rate them. I would prefer you rate them by their music and leave their character out. But if you're if you are obliged to um, not rate them by their character, then you can do that too. All right, Greg first. Go ahead. Oh my god, is somebody else going first with this one? Uh, fine, fucking one with the. Uh, it's hard. Okay, so if Harley. I, Harley will would be number one. I, he still technically is if he fucking played songs that I want him to play, but that's never gonna fucking happen. No, no, he, he actually this. did. He is did one at, the in best December. or the worst. Uh, one uh, is the I'll best. Go, I'll go one is the best. Yeah. Okay, one. Okay, one. Two, Bob, three, he actually yeah. did do Age of Quarrel songs this time. God, well, you he really did. Songs? You, no, oh, he did. Oh, he didn't do best with. See, I don't. I don't. I don't want the Age of Quarrel song. I fucking. <laughs> I've seen his songs. 10 million times like I, I don't all right now I see what you're go, saying I, sorry I don't want to hear a shittier <laughs> version of the actual good songs like I, I want to hear that I want to fucking hear Fugitive I want to fucking hear the song Death Camps I want to hear you know all that shit and he won't fucking do it so he's one but it, it's not a strong one uh after the the JJ video from New York he's a, a far three like that was fucking brutal when he didn't even know the lyrics for his own shit and was I mean, and TC3 were just looking at each other. Paris is uh, two, I guess, but uh, it, it's it's pretty brutal. Top three, I'll be honest. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> there's no winners in that one. There, there's first place Special Olympics kind of shit. Like it's just like <laughs> you're you're one just because the options are fucking miserable. So. Mm. I'll agree with that order, honestly. No, 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 oh. no. You gotta go. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking chop out, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't jump on Bob. Have your own opinion, you mutt. You. Jeez, come on. What are you scared of? Harley was I, I mean, that, that, that is honestly my opinion. Harley is, is definitely the greater of the three in current day, and that's not saying much. JJ on uh, JJ being the victim constantly. I I can't do it, man. And I, and I don't even have a Twitter or any of this shit. I see just the screenshots from my boy Bob Wilson sending it to me, and it's all just terrible. <laughs> Yo, put you on front street. Put you on front street. Don't ever go in the box. Bob Wilson with... is clowning on him all the time. We didn't know I that. Never, Bob I Wilson never is JJ Harris. One, one JJ tweet to Craig ever, first of all. <laughs> musically, you're still going that great, or are you just going by a personality? Yeah, musically, I would say that. I think yeah, what, okay. what Harley's put out in 2022 is better than anything JJ's put out in 2022 mm. and Paris. Mm. Is that something I wouldn't would select any of them by choice to put on and be like, all right, this is my shit. But like, you know, if I had to pick one out of the three, I'm going, I'm going Chromans, I guess. Mm. It sucks. That one caught record a couple years ago was pretty good, but the Fireburn record fucking shit all over it. So it's kind of instantly forgotten. Well, the Fireburn record was incredible. Yeah. So what John says is that the fire burn was demos from the remaining stuff from Blood Clot. And that and I don't like saying this because it speaks ill of the dead, but that Todd Youth had planned already to release that material. And John said that, you know, like that was like a breaking point for him because he had felt like the whole band had worked on stuff and Todd was like, No, this is my music. I can do what I want with it. Um, so what, what's your feelings on Paris then, Greg? Without Bob's in, influence. 
I, I'm honestly not as aware of Paris's current standings. Like I'm not, I don't see him on the internet. I, I don't like see any of the stuff he does. So can you educate me on what he's doing in uh, 2023? When it's my turn to talk. Yes. But I, I just wanted to hear what you had to say. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing at all, but I'm going to say that what JJ is doing is worse. Richie. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Three is the worst. All right, yeah. So three is worst. worst. Now, is, does Harley have new music? I, I mean, the I believe stuff? he I believe if you asked him, he would prefer to have new music, but the people want to hear him play the old music. And he okay. said that he said a version of that to me, because when he played with the exploited at the church, he was like light on the age of quarrel material. Mm-hmm. And then um, asked me what I wanted to hear. And I fucking made him do death camps. <laughs> he's like joe what, whatever joe hardcore was here i said death camps and you can see the look on his face like you raggedy motherfucker <laughs> but he pulled he made it work and like there were a couple new chromax things that he put out he if if, yeah. if if it was up to him alone he would do the newer material and which i which i which i have to respect okay i think the new chromax stuff is is crappy i don't like it I just like the idea that he is doing what people pay him to do, even though his heart would be in new music. Yeah. If he well, could. when yeah, when you play live, you should play what people pay to see. You know, like you, they don't have to control you. You're not like a, you know, a puppet for them. But you should understand, like, yeah, I, I made a killer album that people like. I got to do some stuff off there. But as far as music and personality, I'll go Harley at three. I think the latest, the new ver- the new Chromax songs, I think they were crappy. I think him as a person, he's a total egomaniac. Uh, <laughs> the way he put out that one thing about his band member when he was like on the verge of crying for like three minutes, I was like, I couldn't believe the video. I was like, is this real? Like, is it, I mean, like, man, it, it was just so crazy to watch. Like, he could have died. I, I didn't know what to do. Like who, who record, even if you feel like that, who records yourself looking into the camera as you're crying, like giving testimonial to what, like your, your, your laptop, like what is fucking going on here? So him, him, I'll go three Paris. I'll go two because I think Paris, uh, musically he makes a good riff and then he plays it for eight and a half minutes. And it's just like, dude, this is, I, I'm not enjoying this. And then on top of it, there's no, there's no vocals. You think your riff is that cool that you don't, you can play it for eight and a half minutes and not even have vocals. Nah, next. And plus, I got into a little beef with him online one time, and I could I could tell he was a Freemason. I thought like he was kind of saying weird, weird things, but he seemed very cocky and whatnot. Now, John Joseph, the blood clot stuff is not his best stuff ever, but it was pretty cool. The, his the newest blood clot stuff was pretty cool, but again, the songs were a little too long for my taste. But out of all three of those guys releasing music, I think his was the best. And I was even surprised by his vocals a little bit. They had, they, they it was kind of cool. It was different, a little, you know. I th- always thought Blood Clot put out some cool stuff. It's just hard when you're an older guy and you have a classic record. It's kind of like people just don't want to hear it, unfortunately, even if it's killer, you know, really, it's really the case. Now, as far as his reputation lately and his, his talk and his nonstop uh, COVID. You know, he's got to bring it up every 10 minutes. I could see how that could be frustrating to people. You know, And uh, when he says, you know, the, this punk, this guy's not punk, and that guy is not punk, I prefer if he would say some names 
instead of just <laughs> randomly, you know what I mean? And he did he did call out some some people here and there, but the three of them are uh, it's it's such a weird situation. But Paris shouldn't even be in the mix, to be honest. I, I mean, he shouldn't even be in the mix. But yeah, I would go three Harley, two Paris, and the best of the three for new music, and because he's my homie. Even though people got it in for him lately, I'll go John Joseph. Would you say that Harley's the only one with an ego problem out of those three? With a what problem? An ego problem? No, I think they all have ego. I think uh, Paris has a huge ego too, but Harley's ego is just, it's incredible. It's like the biggest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> just like, you know, even the way he performs his movements, yeah. like, you know. And if you watch his social media and uh, like the way he talks into the camera, it's like, come on, homie, don't pull that shit. Like, <laughs> it's weird. I, maybe that's know? why. Maybe I'm not good with it. Maybe I suck with this one because I don't watch any of these guys on social media. I try and stay far from it. Bob just always sending me these screenshots. So I'm it like, kind of rude, you know? <laughs> oh, Bob, you snitched Bob out. That's for sure. That's fine. It's fine. Bob can, can I put clowning on everybody? Can that. I put Mackie at number one just to, to have some kind of positive <laughs> shit with us? I think oh, Mackie's yeah, he's for sure. number one. It's, it's not even close. I could watch Mackie's him for the years. Coolest, but does he have any new music? I don't know. I don't know. You could fucking bang play. on some yeah. trash cans outside of a train station, and I'll be more yeah. entertaining. Yeah, he's the he's best. just the, he's the coolest guy wherever he goes, Mackie. That's just that's just what's up, and it's uh, it's a shame they couldn't get it together. But listen, the Crow Mags Age of Quarrels dope, but to me, that's all they had that was dope. I didn't enjoy any other releases from them. You know what I mean? But uh, but Age of Quarrel was very cool. Uh, I'm willing to go and say that the most interesting music from the three was Paris for me at number one. Mm. And the reason why it's number one is, is I vaguely remember him saying he's eventually getting a vocalist. And then I saw the pre-order for the LP that's going to come out or that maybe it's an LP, but it's only like four or five songs. I find it to be the most like, you know, like bold move cotton. Let's see how the strategy plays <laughs> out. Like, I don't know. I don't know where the market in hardcore is for music. That's not have any kind of like vocals to carry the song. There is no market. It's, it's, well, it's a mistake. but here's the fucked up part is, is when you hear them songs, they're so intrinsically tied to the part of Chromags that ever like it's so fucked up to say this, but like all he really needed, all he really needs is someone who could keep the kind of very fast, aggressive vocals on that, and people would be like, This is the best post Chromags Age of Quarrel influence material. And I think he's missing the boat not having that because everything that he's put out is solid, polished. It feels like it's right from the mother's tit, which has been a big problem from each campus that no one really can immediately like, you know, re harness. And obviously, yeah, Asia quarrel is such uh that thing might as well be a meteorite dropped from space because it's such a fucking rare thing. That record and it stands for punk and for metal and for hardcore, but I, I find that he harnessed something so fucking close to it 
but still new and with fresher ideas that I was like, he puts a vocalist on this. This might be fucking, you know, he the, the tracks were a little long, but I still thought people would be just like a vibe based upon how great it sounded and the production. And so like, number one is like, you know, this motherfucker is the videos he's put out have been pretty sick, but the Paris shit to me is the most interesting and I, I, I'm, I'm actually waiting to get the release just to see where the rest of the songs go. After that, I actually, until you said like the newest Harley stuff, I would I was gonna put Harley at number two solely because his his first performance in Philadelphia was at the church and it was sloppy, but the the band had barely played. I think they had six practices before they went on the tour, and he had played a couple newer songs and I could watch him kind of determine that like, all right, the crowd isn't really into these newer songs, but then there's also, and Bob can agree. Like there's probably tons of people that don't know what a Cro-Mag song is. There was a ton of drunk punks and shit there. So when he came back and played in December, the day after Keystone, I wasn't surprised he was playing age of quarrel. I was surprised his drummer was playing age of quarrel. OG style with the two bass drums not connected with the double bass, but sit, like you know, each foot controlling it, and it was like, okay, well, you know, like this isn't the Mackie of 2023, this is the Mackie when he played the drums on that record. And I felt like he was making Harley was making an effort to give the fans that came out to hear Chromag's Age of Quarrel what they want, even though I think privately he'd be much more comfortable playing the music that he owned, wrote. and then. Unfortunately, John, who I'm closest with, is number three because I feel like Blood Clot he had that record. I mean, he, he did the band Blood Clot way back. He was on a flyer or two, Blood Clot, Blood Clot. It was like a thing. And then he obviously Shattered Realm played the first Blood Clot show in uh, the Knitting Factory in like 2007. And when they were heavy and hard, I thought they were fucking fantastic. And... um. We actually even played in Delaware at uh, bar 13 PF, 13 something, something too. We did that with them as well. So 13 like we Mojo were, or something? Yeah, we played with them too there. And um, I really liked, I mean, he had a best of band. He had Danny Schuler on drums. He had um, that dude, Rick, who played bass and Marauder on, on bass. He had um, Scott, who now is in that band, The Take who would have at one point front biohazard. He had him on guitar and he had someone else on guitar. And I was like, dude, this is like a fucking all-star band. And, they, and Bob, you remember that? And Greg, you remember they played this hardcore 2007. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was like not well received. And I don't think kids were really hip to it, but in 2007, unless you were American nightmare or something or terror, it was going to be hard for you to get the kids going, you know? But I thought he was going to stay with it. And then the following year, he picked up Mackie and them, and he rolled right into the resurgence of Chromax, which obviously we all had a big part of. Richie, you played the first shows, yada, yada, yada. You guys all know that. So when we did the blood clot the second time with Todd and the guy Joey and the you know the different L.A. members, I was a little put off that it was fast, but I'm like, all right, this is actually blood clot's element. Because I mean I don't know Bob, Bob were you ever into the uh, both world stuff? It was alright. I was never like super into it. Greg, yeah, it wasn't for me. Richie, 
No, I didn't know too much about it. Um, yeah, Both Worlds was for 1996, 97. It was cool, but it wasn't like earth shattering. So to see John go back and play on the faster stuff, and he had that that first song was really like going to be like a fucking hit. And they didn't really, again, they did a tour, and then they kind of, that was it. So then when I seen him at Thompson Square Park, he was playing shit from the fast stuff, but he also played that song Burn, Babylon Burn, which is like the hit from the yeah. heavier shit. So I, I was expecting him to have more of the heavy on the on the last on the last run, like the newest shit. I thought he was gonna bring it a little bit back to some contemporary heaviness, but keep the faster stuff. And I, I didn't hear it. And I was kind of like let down. Like, damn, dude, you know, I thought he was gonna blend the two better. And he hadn't. On on all of their moral characters, I know Harley face to face only from two shows that I've done now and some weird previous encounters. So I can't even I don't even want to judge them because I'm trying to stay positive. Paris I've spoke to for multiple hours and is very intelligent. So again, I don't have anything negative to say. John is a person I would call a friend. When I was in Florida, his brother passed and I, I wrote him. But I think that he's letting this internet stuff pull him in a direction where he doesn't see who his friends are. And I, I and I'll discuss disclose this. He was concerned that we didn't want him to play Keystone Jam. And yet he forgot that he told us the first shows he's playing is the fucking record release that he played for Black and Blue in uh, January. He's, so he's got so many people coming in at him in all these directions. They doesn't know who his friends are. And it's like, yo, we're never not going to be your friend. I may not agree with all the fucking shit. I'm tired of getting told once a day that the punk rockers are licking boots and I'm getting tired of all the shit that doesn't have anything to do with John. I think John, when he's at his best, he's trying to inspire people. And I think that he's lost his track there. And I, I think musically, if I could have a wish list, I'd like to see fucking Paris get a fucking singer. Harley write shit that is more in line with the shit after Age of Quarrel, like Bob said, like that there is shit from Best Wishes that was absolutely fantastic. Despite Dom Rom uh Dominic Romero's fucking favorite shit, Alpha Omega. I do think Best Wishes is a fucking insane record. And I think if Harley could pull off something more modern like that, I think people would really fucking go nuts. Like, and he has Arthur producing him. So I don't know why Arthur isn't steering him towards that sound, you know? Yeah, I mean, if anybody could do it, it would definitely be him. We got to get Arthur, but Arthur, you got to get off some of the weed, but also please get get this ass, get his ass moving towards the, because I think that's the, the missing link. He, he shouldn't have to be playing these heavier songs. And someone might even told him, oh, yeah, this kid's like heavier, so that's what he's going for. But I think Harley might have the best chance of all three of them to really keep people's uh, attention if, if he goes in that direction. So, Joe, you think the newest Cro-Mag songs are better than the newest Blood Clot songs? No, I, I, I'm saying I'm not going off of anything he wrote. I'm saying if he went in that direction. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying but with your list. With like my you, list, you I will the say the newest music from each. So you the newest the, the, the newest music from Harley has no traction because I don't think I don't even know. I think he was told like, hey, you should try to write like this. I don't even know how much of it he may not have written. He may not have even have written it with the with knowing what he knows, but I saw him immediately made an audible from May to December 
to put Age of Quarrel stuff in the in the thing. So it shows he's smart enough to see what people yeah want to hear. Yeah, yeah. I think he's and a, I'm vaguely I'm vaguely familiar. I'm vaguely familiar with the shit that he recorded previous mm-hmm. to that. But I know because Arthur was there backstage with him when he played this time that he was talking about we've got new stuff coming out. And I hope it goes in that direction because I think John just missed the mark not going a little heavier. And I think Paris missed and Paris is the best because his shit sounds the most Cro-Mags like, but he doesn't have a singer. Yeah, so crazy that he doesn't have a singer. Like, come on! But it's so ill. Like, fuck this! I don't want. I don't want. Just wait until you get a singer. What do you? What do you? Got to release it by a certain date because of a a deadline with a major label. No, you do what you want. Wait for a singer. It's so crazy and bold that I'm like, I want to give him respect for it, but it just blows my fucking mind. But yo, could you sing on it? Tell him right now. I'll sing. I honestly, if I could do two things better in life, now that I'm officially a drummer in a band. I would play drums better and I would have learned how to have a stronger voice for faster, mm. um, for faster lyrics. Bah, 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 bah. You know, like I, I don't know. It would take me not a lot of time, but it would take me a bit of time to not have more of a scratchier death metal, screamy voice singing fast. But if I got to do that, I would love that. I, I want to one day be in a hardcore band where Siv or Mike Judge can listen to it, and they don't go. This is fucking metal bullshit. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want. I don't want Walter to to think. I don't want Walter to be like, oh, this dude's in the fucking death metal band. Fucking dickhead. <laughs> That's all I want. Uh-huh. All right, fellas, this has been fun. Thank you for uh, coming on and having fun and talking about some shit on the internet. Because I had a list of stuff that I was like, fuck. I'm I'm in too tired and I haven't able to get. Um, the real, real long episodes going lately, and uh, but the office is we're getting it ready. I'm getting ready for some wild shit, like actually real cool shit with the podcast. But until then, I wanted to keep these going. I thought, who better than the three people I talk shit with all the time to get them all in one show? A lot of fun. Have fun, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, hey I appreciate you. you having me on. All right, talk to you later. Bye bye. Later. So, I hope you enjoyed the roundtable. It was a lot of fun for us to get together. Hope you laughed along. That Richie motherfucker, he's the best. Actually, it was a great time for me. Again, if you're trying to check out old episodes or, you know, this is something new to you, TIHCpodcast.com has it. We are on all the things, the SoundCloud, the Spotify's, all that stuff. And um, once again, support Real Hardcore, support Rebirth Records. Check out that new release that just came out, The Split. Check out phillyhcshows.com. This is Hardcore, August 2023. Be ready for it. Get your tickets. Get them ready to drop some bombs on people as they say, like, you don't even want to know about this fucking announcement. Now we're going to make it awesome. And um, lots of great shows by people like Bob Wilson, people like Greg Falchetto, you know, very happy to be in the company of these folks. And, um, yeah, Philly HC shows, TIHC Fest, This Is Hardcore Fest. You know the deal. And thank you for constantly supporting the podcast. Take care. Talk to you next week.